back to my podcast called Faith is Strength. I'm Milky Mandel, and it is my pleasure to share this episode with you today. The date of this recording is November 4th of 2019. The year is almost over. I'm getting married next week in Jamaica. I can't promise another episode before the end of the year. I've never really gotten full-time into podcasting, although I love it. I don't have a great space. I don't have the right equipment. Uh, I kind of view this as practice more than anything. Uh, I do believe that I will probably be expressive my entire life. It seems to be woven into the fabric of my soul. It is who I am at my core. Um, So this is a lot of practice for me. Um, And if I continue down this journey steadily and consistently, maybe at some point I could, you know, really delve into it more on a full-time basis, on a regular, consistent basis. The title of today's episode is called Happy on Principle, and it's a very, very exciting, but also a very important conversation, topic. Happiness. What do you know about happiness? If I asked you right now, what do you want? How do you want to feel? Even if you tell me you want an object like a car or shoes or a nice house to win the lottery, think about what's at the root of that desire. It's to feel happiness. Or take a loftier position of desiring a person above all else, right? Think about single people who all they desire is to be in a relationship or to get married. Or how about for an event to occur, right? You want something to happen. But ultimately, it comes down to us readjusting something in our lives in order to feel happier to feel better, better about ourselves, better about our life circumstances, better about our pasts or our world situation. We as humans are chasers. We we chase our food, our mates, money, toys, happiness. We are happiness pursuers as rapper Nas says. And as such, happiness is a choice. We were programmed to believe that happiness is a direct result of stimulation. As much as computers react to the commands given to it by a human, so do we react happy to specific commands. But these commands are our own perception. We perceive the world a certain way, and depending on how we interpret it, we feel happiness or sadness or anger. Our perception, though, is our choice. If we consciously reformat our software over the course of years, and with applied practices, then we will be able to achieve a deeper level of happiness, one that does not depend on stimulation. We will be happy on principle alone because we will be choosing to interpret everything we perceive with positivity. Thus, no outside circumstances can dampen our inner peace and happiness. Let us begin by redefining happiness. Happiness is a state of being, not an emotion. It's usually defined by an emotion like joy, or feelings of inner peace and contentment, meaning that when you are experiencing A, you're defining it as B, where B refers to happiness. Take away joy, contentment, and inner peace, and you're probably not happy. Of course, there are some other descriptors, but you get the point. So if happiness is a state of being, the state in which you exist at all times, that is experienced when we are emotionally stimulated positively with emotions like joy, then maybe we can add a plug into our software that tells the hardware to also experience happiness 
from other sources as well. Ooh, I kind of like this tech analogy. I'll continue to run with it. Again, maybe we can add a plug into our software that tells the hardware to also experience happiness from other sources as well, not just from positive emotional stimulation. Maybe something totally trivial can trigger your feelings of happiness and you'll never not be happy again. You will have completely wiped the bug of sadness from your software and only retain it as a tool to be used in the proper time of your choosing. Perhaps to rely on something as scarce as positive emotions or stimulation is too risky and not readily available. Maybe if we can take an ingredient that is a lot more available, we would have the choice to deploy it and be happy all the time, right? Because if we're relying on good things to happen in order to be happy, how often do good things happen? So it's just not a good logical choice to, to rely on something like that for results. I believe we can because I believe I have done so. I've actually installed numerous plugins so that if one malfunctions, I can rely on the other. That's how important happiness is to me. Rabbi Nachman says happiness is so important that you should force yourself to be happy. Do everything in your power to be happy. Act silly if you need to. That is how important happiness is. It is at the core of what allows us to function to a high degree in a healthy manner. One of my plugins are called Happy for Every Reason. The next plugin is called Happy for No Reason. Another one is called Happy Because the Opposite Sucks. I also have one called Happy Because It Makes Me Feel Good. And I have all these plugins in a folder called Happy on Principle. So let's dive into the source code of each of these plugins to see what kind of functionality they offer and what kind of information they bring to the database. The reason I call it Happy on Principle is because the information slash outlook of each plugin is actually what defines and shapes my principles regarding being happy. So the word principle simply refers to all of the forthcoming philosophies regarding how I think about and approach the happiness topic. Plugin number one, happy for every reason. This plugin says that we have a million things to be grateful for. We believe that Hashem does absolutely everything for the best. It's a foundation of our faith and a principle of our belief system. And since that's the case, I'm happy for every reason. Everything that happens to me, everything that I'm experiencing, everything that I'm struggling with, everything, everything that I'm going through, I'm grateful for. Why? Because it's from God. And everything God does is for the best and for our ultimate good. I take the gratitude that I feel for such magnificent divine providence, and I make myself happy as a direct result. So now... I've effectively added another cause to my list of items that result in my happiness. Plugin number two, happy for no reason. This plugin says, I don't need a reason to be happy. The need for a reason or the dependency for a reason is a security breach. Why can't I just be happy for no reason? Why do I have to have a reason to be happy? Am I really that selfish? I deprive myself of a good feeling based on the fact that I don't have a reason? That's so lame. Just be happy for no reason and problem solved. I know this idea might sound a bit wacky to you, but most of my spiritual tools are wacky to some degree or another. Who cares? If it works, if it's attainable, do it. If it's possible to reprogram my software to allow other ideas to take control, why would something as weird as this plugin not work? If the proper coding language was used and it was written by an experienced developer, why would I doubt that it won't function well? 
So yes, I believe in the program, I believe in the code, and I believe that with enough focus and dedication, I'll update or change my paradigm. You know, speaking of weird, you know, things don't have to be normal, whatever that even means, in order for it to be effective. Effectiveness doesn't depend on normalcy. You know, in, in the tech world with machine learning and AI, they're working on these little simulations where these tiny little AI, uh, I guess, think of them as characters, are playing hide and seek, and and the humans program them to understand the basic rules of hide and seek. But they put some objects in the room. So after running millions of simulations, where the AI gets smarter by learning from its habits. They learn how to use objects to block the door, so the seekers can't find them. And then a couple million simulations further, the seekers learn how to use objects to jump over the wall to find them. And then it continues to evolve in that in that manner. So you want to talk about weird things that are weird? This is reality. Reality is weird. Reality is magical. So forget about normalcy. If if you have to program yourself. In, in ways which you know might be effective. Who cares if they're weird? Who cares if they're out of the box? Plug-in number three, happy because the opposite sucks. This plug-in takes the route of presenting a simple logical question. Why would you not be happy if you're very well aware that it sucks not to be happy? By that logic, you should need no further convincing. I know that being unhappy, dissatisfied, or depressed sucks. Therefore, I'll make a conceited effort to be happy and remain happy for that reason alone. Plug-in number four, happy because it makes me feel good. Along comes this plug-in and presents a similar logic, one that rests again on one logical approach. Feeling happy makes me feel good, so why in the world would I not choose to be happy? And if all fails, hmm, if my server crashes, I don't fall back on a 404 error. I have a complete backup server with a whole other application running and ready to take its spot. This application is called Simple Contentment. It's not programmed to curate feelings of deep and inner contentment, because that would result in happiness, but rather simple contentment. It's a state of being where I'm okay or glad with how things are, but I'm not necessarily happy. I'm not overjoyed, you know? I'm not always smiling. I mean, I do smile a lot, and I'm usually full of life and enthusiasm, but what if I'm tired, worn out? only slept two hours and was awoken with a hurry, then I'm okay. That's this plugin. I'm okay to just content, to, to just be content because I know that I have top developers working on the server and they will have it back up running in no time. And if you think it ends there, you'd be wrong, dear friends. I've actually modeled my spiritual environment similar to Facebook and Google. I have a near infinite amount of redundant servers in case the backup or the backup of the backup crashes. So unless there's a nuclear EMP strike, which would be akin to a complete spiritual apocalypse, I don't think my DevOps environment could be infiltrated. What's the goal? There's one goal, and that is never, ever to allow myself to feel sadness, ingratitude, or depression. No matter how low I've fallen, no matter what life blows I've been dealt, it's a structure that was designed to withstand them on a matter of principle and discipline. There's one single exception. There are losses in life that we do not understand, and it is our job to only accept them as an act from Hashem that plays a specific and very positive role in the bigger picture. 
We are built to feel and acknowledge pain. As King Solomon says in Koheles, it is natural and a part of our healing process to allow for the feelings of sadness to sweep over us with the loss of a loved one. But as it says, there's a time for that. Unless it is such a time, God forbid, no sadness may permeate the settled state of being that one should establish. And I would even invite you to view this sadness, this type of sadness in a more constructive light by perhaps calling it and processing it as brokenhearted. Sadness, the word sadness has too much baggage attached to it. It is very kosher to be brokenhearted when we lose someone though. So there's, you know, if you, if you want to consider adapting a little bit of a different perspective of, of what it means to be sad or brokenhearted, brokenhearted is a little bit of a more accurate term for what a spiritual person feels when we lose something. But sadness, never. But if you think I'm unaware of the reality of life and the day-to-day struggle to attain such reformatting, then you're underestimating my words. I do not for one second want to downplay the hard work, struggles, and sheer dedication involved. As I've so brilliantly heard from Shlomo Katz some years ago, I quote, we are all bestsellers. Remember that. We are all bestsellers. We've all weathered the toughest storms, each to their own degree. In order to reformat, as described earlier, however, will take years and years of dedication and implementation, two to four years per day of new information gathering, otherwise known as re-educating yourself, is a minimum for a period of two to four years. Again, that's two to four hours per day for a duration of two to four years. I personally believe anything less, and you'll not achieve significant cleanup or reformatting. If you would comprehend the magnitude of malware that has been inserted into your current hardware during your upbringing, you would agree that two to four IT specialists working around the clock for two to four years would not be sufficient. Similarly, do not underestimate the amount of work and dedication to reformatting yourself will be involved. But not just information gathering, actual implementation of the information. So what in the world am I talking about? How did I go from talking about happiness to uh, Seder Hayom? Let me explain. I've spoken to a nice handful of people who have seeked my guidance or input on matters of dissatisfaction, depression, or feelings of despair. Although I cannot personally re-educate them as that would consume my entire life, I told them all the following, and I believe this is the key. The choice to be happy is the choice to change your life. It's the choice to re-educate yourself. It's a huge commitment, similar to that of joining a five to 10 year college program. You must literally make the decision that you will now dedicate a couple hours of your day to the re-education process of yourself. This of course comes after the acknowledgement that you are messed up emotionally and are not willing to go any further like that, right? Without acknowledgement, you know, they say acknowledgement or realization is half a cure. Without acknowledgement, you're not going anywhere. So of course this comes after the acknowledgement that you have issues and you're not willing to go any further like that. Most of my audience listening to me right now is like me. We grew up with limited and or corrupted education. We were not taught skills of critical thinking. We were not taught about happiness. We were not taught about spiritual or emotional development. So why in the world would we have those things? We don't. 
unless we made the decision to re-educate, to reprogram, as it were. This is what I was referring to. If you grew up like me or worse in an even more oppressive setting, then you need to first make the decision to re-educate yourself. You have to acknowledge that 99% of what we were taught is twisted garbage and detrimental to us. Even if itty-bitty pieces were true, since they were not taught correctly, they're useless. They are essentially more harmful than anything else. At all times and in most cases, we want to tackle growth and development on three levels, spiritual, emotional, and physical. In rebuilding, we begin with our foundation, which is the physical. The reason we begin with the physical is because before any type of emotional or spiritual development comes pure physical survival, right? We have to eat and nourish our physical body to survive. Information gathering means none other than getting educated. You need to commit yourself to start gaining knowledge, and the first place to begin is with the foundation. The foundation consists of reading. Simply read about everything you weren't taught. Faulty education and upbringing usually includes neglection of your physical health and education regarding your physical health. This includes everything from working out to keep your body healthy to eating healthy and staying away from substances. With proper education and enlightenment, these traits and positive habits are a no-brainer. Yet for some reason, our generation is at war with these very basic fundamental parts of growth. Rebuilding our foundations without a bias and with new information is what naturally gives us the opportunity to reflect and consider how we look at things. As Shlomo HaMelech said, we can learn a lesson from everyone and everything. Let us not discount that. Let us also remember that our greatest teachers and commentators were all very well versed in secular studies and the sciences of their day. After you have made it abundantly clear to yourself that you will have to gather information for the next few years at two to four hours per day, then you must move to step two, which is implementation of that new information. Here are three simple steps to implement. One, work out. Two, Eat healthy. Three, stay away from substances. I'll elaborate on point one, workout. This feature in growing our physical knowledge and understanding maybe was met with a scoff when you heard it. I don't know, I can't hear you through the headphones, but laugh not, my friend. This is not merely vain advice about looking better in the world. We're not Greek, our flesh is not end-all be-all. Rather, I urge you to work out some sort of workout regimen into your lives because when we feel good physically, we feel good emotionally, and that enables us to feel good spiritually. When we are healthy physically, stronger physically, our retention and strong and healthy mindset becomes inevitable. We stay on course of needing to be healthy mentally and emotionally, which is the next step in becoming whole spiritually. Additionally, studies show that when one is physically strong and healthy, one has a greater propensity for happiness. Lastly, building a discipline for working out brings about the ability to retain discipline in all other areas of our lives. It's up to us to realize this potential in all areas of our lives. Number two was healthy eating. I don't want to get deeply into healthy eating. It's not my area of expertise, but... I'm enough familiar with it to understand its impact and its role in this matter. And number three is staying away from substances. Of course, substances deserves 
30 episodes of its own. Again, I'm not going to get into it, but these are the three most important parts, and it's a great way to start. Work out, eat healthy, stay away from substances. Once we've read books, watched videos, and researched the facts about our physical bodies, and we've acknowledged that we must do our utmost to keep it strong, in shape, and healthy, then we can move to the next step, which is emotional. The second step in rebuilding ourselves is addressing our emotional state of being. As mentioned throughout this episode, being happy is a state of being, and how our temperaments are at a constant state is dependent on our mental and emotional state. Some have a stronger mental state than others. Some break under the slightest trauma. Some can withstand severe trauma and resist the urges to succumb to the depravity they've been exposed to. Neither one is better than the other. It is only perspective of what is more traumatic to the brain. Either way, we all retain the potential ability to overcome our trauma and change our subsequent reactions and circumstances. How? With mental and emotional work. This includes going to therapy, listening to therapeutic podcasts, reading books or online about self-help, spiritual and Torah-oriented podcasts or lectures, meditating, personal prayer. Let's explore these one by one. First, going to therapy. Depending on the level of trauma you've experienced in your life, you may need professional and very customized help. Try, if you can, to ignore the stigmas of your childhood and look at therapy objectively. If you broke your arm, you would not attempt to heal it yourself. You wouldn't think twice before rushing to the hospital where the professionals are, where the people that have dedicated their lives to learning about how the body and bones work, where the industry has dedicated itself to investing in advanced technology more heavily than governments have invested in armies. So why would you even hesitate when dealing with broken parts of your mind? Yes, of course the mind can break. Just because it doesn't split open and its contents spill all over the floor, it doesn't mean it's not broken. So please, if you're suffering and you know or you suspect that you need professional help to deal with the severity of trauma your brain has witnessed or experienced, do not hesitate. Go to therapy. Get that help. We also learn very strongly that Torah is meant for healthy people. You cannot hope to be successful in your spiritual journey if your emotional and mental states are in agony. I have in the past, with Hashem's loving help, recorded an episode on therapy alone with Ganeshi Braun, I believe, my sister, as I know that it is a very touchy subject in the religious community, you should check it out. Next, listening to therapeutic podcasts. Similar to going to therapy, but of course without the same level of customization, just listening to licensed therapists address specific and common areas of mental dysfunction could be quite helpful to many. Lest I say more. Next, reading books or online about self-help. Self-help is the beginning of the journey to recovering and changing yourself into a more deliberate or principled human being that can choose to be in a state of constant happiness or contentment. Self-help in any area that you choose to target, there's a book, a blog, or a tape out there somewhere that someone wrote that feels precisely the same way, and they can tell you how they changed. Find it, pursue it, learn it, implement it. I, I always joke, but it's not really a joke with my friends and family, the only types of book I ever read are self-help books. I don't read novels. I don't read fantasies. I only read self-help books. 
real books, books that improve my life, that help me, that build me. Next, spiritual and Torah-oriented podcasts or lectures. The trick to changing anything is the ability to introspect. To some of us, it comes naturally. To some of us, we were raised in an environment that encourages it. And to many, it was self-taught. Whichever it is for you, discovering literature or audio that supports and explores the process, whether you're an expert or beginner, is always a step in growth. Next, meditation and prayer. These go hand in hand, whether you're a fan of the traditional prayers set forth by our sages for thousands of years, or you like to speak to God in your own words, there's hardly a better form of self-therapy for the everyday that is meditation and prayer. To me, prayer is meditating, but for some, there's a differentiation. When one prays, they are locked into that conversation they're having with God. If they do it mentally with their own words or by feeling it, they are locked in and focused, blocking everything else out. This gives us the value of meditating and finding our own headspace. While we may not receive an auditory confirmation that God heard us, the process of speaking out our pain and our thoughts, our thanks, or even our plans for the day or the future is significantly therapeutic and a release that our minds crave. Once we've been able to establish these two steps in our foundation, we're ready for the main floor, the center of attention, our spiritual ascension. According to a recent TED Talk, and nearly every spiritual advisor ever in the history of the world, the purest way to achieve happiness is to fulfill our spiritual yearning. Many believe, myself included, one can only find true happiness with the assurance of purpose. And our purpose is found in spirituality. Without spirituality, how can we be assured of our sense of purpose? And that, my dear listeners, brings us full circle to controlling our state of happiness. When we incorporate the plugins, the software rewiring, the day-to-day health boosting practices of re-educating ourselves and living physically healthy lives, we will have moved our perspectives to perceive everything as positive and from God, thus keeping him at the forefront of our thoughts and intentions, thus achieving a spiritual heightening of our senses that brings us to a feeling infinitely closer to Hashem in our everyday lives. And with that, we will radiate feelings of happiness in all parts of our lives. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being happy.